being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. All board members, please keep your video on. All others, please keep your video off unless you are participating during the meeting. If you're having any trouble, you can send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name each time you speak for the benefit of those participating remotely. And I'll turn the meeting back to Kira. All right. Hi, everybody. Thanks for showing up. Um, I'm Before I take roll call, I'm going to remind everybody that this is a special meeting and we're just going to be discussing two things tonight. Um, all right. So, Stephen? Here. Kay? Here. Maddie? Present. Nancy? Here. All right. So, we're missing who? Ben and Stanley. Is that all? Oh, no, there's Ben. Sorry, Ben. Hey, man. Deb's here, too. All right, I need to switch screens. All right, Ben, can you um, say hello for the, uh, what do you call it, the attendance? And then Deb, where's Deb? All right, I don't see her. Can you check in, Deb? Looks like she's connecting to her audio right now. She may not hear you yet. Okay, do we have to have a motion to turn it over to Nancy? No. No, okay, I'm gonna turn it over to you, Nancy. Could I ask first that we have a hard stop at seven o'clock? Uh, what time are we? Yeah, we will, we'll try to do that for you, okay? Uh, Nancy, we'll I have turn it one, over to you. One other, one other thing because there's probably going to be a lot of discussion about the plastic bag issue, I would like to at least reserve 15 minutes. Um, I don't care if it's at the end to discuss the second item. Okay, yeah, that's it, good to know. Is it Sorry, possible to discuss the multimodal transfer facility memo first to get it over with, or do we have to do the bag ordinance first? I was going to suggest we do the multimodal first. That's fine with me. That's, oh, yeah, me as well, Maddie, Maddie from the board. Okay, this is Nancy Mova. I'm going to suggest that we start with the multimodal uh, letter. Um, this was drafted by Kay Johnson and then modified by the subcommittee. And um, I'd like to propose that we... Um, discuss this if there's anything that needs to be um, if you have any discussion before we make a motion this this is Kathy Richardson interim sustainability director I just wanted to mention that we do have two um, staffers on this zoom call in case there are questions in regards to the multimodal transfer facility so I wanted to acknowledge that Adam and Fred are on this zoom 
Thank you. That's great. Um, this is Kate Johnson, Sustainability Advisory Board member. I do want to make one change right up front to the memo. Um, I rewatched the the uh, actual agenda item, which was the March 3rd uh, commissioner meeting. And it appears that they didn't actually take a vote. However, they did make a, a decision. So I would propose that we just remove uh, the part in the second paragraph that says one, two, three, the fourth line of the beginning of the, I don't know what sentence it is, but it's after the period with a three to two vote. I would like to remove that because it appeared it was three to two, but they didn't actually have a motion, but they did make a decision. So the that phrase at the comma would come out and the beginning of that sentence would say the commissioners decided. If that's okay with everybody. Uh, Maddie Bell, Sustainability Advisory Board. In regards to that clarification about what was done at the meeting, the sentence prior says, uh, or the whole paragraph is about taking binding action. Um, and then the sentence prior to the one you just referred to says, in spite of this, the commissioners discussed the item above and made policy decisions, binding actions as requested. Would that be incorrect since, since okay, it's still correct? No, they still made a decision, even though that particular part of the Commissioner's agenda says that no binding decision will be made. They gave direction to the staff. And I suppose we could ask Adam if he felt like that, that was binding direction, but it seemed to me it was binding direction. Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager, happy to jump in. So, um, Typically, the way we've been doing um, the work session items with the city commission is uh, there have we have been doing policy questions as part of that to get some feedback and guidance. Um, I don't I don't know that I um, agree with the binding action decision. You know, we in this particular case we don't have a, um, a policy in place yet for um, uh, for us to go natural gas or to go electric from the very beginning of a facility. We have our 2035 um, sustainability goal um, through the ordinance that you all um, helped put in. So um, in this case, we were seeking guidance from the city commission, um, but not, you know, we wanted to hear what, what they thought and what direction they could give us since there's no ordinance in place yet that would apply to all city facilities. So this this is Kay Johnson, Sustainability Advisory Board member. Um, maybe just let's just maybe step take a step back so that we can explain to anybody that just happens to catch this this meeting. Um, those of us that are uh, on the call as advisory board members discussed it um, at our last actual board meeting, and then again at our. Um, a meeting for the climate action committee or subcommittee, however we call it. And so, so on March 3rd, um, staff from um, Adam and his group and, and uh, 
also the I'm trying to think of the consultant's name. Um, I can't think of their name, but the consultant uh, group, there was a couple of people um, attended the rather late commission meeting and they did provide input. They had a um, discussion about the update of the building, the transit building, and we're very excited to say, and, and I got a chance to see the all electric bus that was downtown that Adam um, and his staff were celebrating, you know, receiving those buses. Um, we discussed in our meetings that it was um, rather um, inopportune that the somewhat guided decisions of that March 3rd meeting uh, was leading to natural gas for um, the HVAC system instead of all electric. And even though we were told later that it was already a done deal, um, we decided we should probably have a discussion amongst ourselves and have a, um, a memo go to the commissioners uh, requesting that that decision be reconsidered. So that's what this memo is. And it uh, lays out the situation that occurred as well as all of the guidance documents that had already been provided and approved by um, the Lawrence commissioners. And we actually felt like that the guidance was already clear. So um, that is the reason this memo was written. And we have a special contract with Evergy that um, provides a cap on the electric costs of, of electricity, as well as it is like 98%, 99% wind, uh, renewable wind energy, so that any electrification of our, the buildings would be um, less greenhouse gases emis, emitted. And that is another reason that we decided that it was important to make a um, a notice to the commissioners and ask them to reconsider that decision. And Nancy or Maddie, if you all have, or Kira, if you all have any other additions to add, I, that's kind of a brief summary, but uh, the message um, that, that we had discussed is now in the memo. And if anybody has any additional comments or suggestions for the memo, yeah, uh, Maddie Bell, Sustainability Advisory Board. Um, in the second to last paragraph, it's just kind of like concluding um, everything. And the last sentence in the second to last paragraph says, each directive listed above promotes greenhouse gas emissions reductions and energy efficiency as an imperative of the city of Lawrence. Um, I very light suggestion for saying um, that the directive listed above promotes greenhouse gas emissions and also promotes meeting the goals that the above plans, ordinance and, and commitments have stated our goals of the city. Um, I think just to like reinforce like, hey, we already made these commitments. Why are we not following through on them like this? We easily can through or, you know, this is a this is an action that you can follow commitments through. Um, so that's uh, I just suggestion. Okay, thanks. And then I just wanted to 
um, respond. We got some public comment from us, uh, from Nick Kuzmak um, about it regarding uh, biomethane gas. And I just wanted to say like, while biomethane gas could be a good placeholder solution for current buildings that are dependent on methane gas, I don't think it's a reason to build the multimodal transfer facility as a methane gas based facility. Um, and we and his one of his things that he said was that it's like we did if the cost of a methane gas facility is lower than electric, but like we don't actually know those numbers because the numbers haven't been crunched uh, to my understanding, which is part of this memo. Um, and I'm also like, would those numbers even reflect the cost of very new, near future overhauls? Because I believe in a previous meeting we talked about like those overhauls would have to happen in about two or three years to meet with um, city plans or uh, yeah, city plans, I think is the most accurate statement. So um, and, and regarding that, Maddie, if I could interrupt you just once, yeah, um, um, I probably quoted incorrectly the decision that um and i still think that the two to three year time frame is accurate but looking back it may be 2035 I, um i was trying to understand exactly i guess converting all of the facilities is 2035 this was a new facility so to me it really should meet the first goal which was um two to three years but I mean, some might debate in the discussion that was held with the um, uh, with commissioners and the consultants. The discussion was about 2035. OK, you know. so, so we said we we're going to do this for 15 minutes. So we've hit the 15 minute okay. mark. If we decide to take a motion now. Um, with these changes, well, we probably need to ask for other comments, maybe. Well, we're going to not hit our 15 minute mark. and We're not going to make the seven o'clock mark. OK, if we're going to ask for more comments. Well, I think we have to ask for public comments. OK, can we have public comments if there are any? Good. We don't have any public comments. Oh, there is one. Mike. Hi, everyone. My name is Mike Wazikowski, and I'm the chair for the Public Transit Advisory Committee. Just wanted to sign on and say hello because you are discussing something that is very relevant to the issue that uh, I deal with, which is uh, helping to advise the city through uh, improving public transit through the community. And uh, I'm really sympathetic to the goals of uh, trying to make every single building that we uh, construct from now on and into the future using all electric. Uh, it's unfortunately, there are some trade-offs that we have to make sometimes. I, and I don't necessarily have a good answer for if this is a good trade-off to make. You guys as a board have to make that decision on your own, whether you think that this is a good one or not and whether to bring it up to uh, the city commission. Uh, I just wanna make sure that you understand that there are some costs to doing this proposal and that we've already had a number of delays on this project to, that have uh, set us back from our original uh, launch date of getting this facility live for August of 22, basically in another couple of months. We've had to push it back because we've had uh, additional redesigns and each time we have 
done that, we have unfortunately spent more and more money that the city needs to be able to accomplish other critical objectives, including uh, things that would benefit sustainability throughout the city. In particular, I would warn that if we do delay this, we're going to have a big cost in terms of how we uh, redesign the routes and what routes we are allowed to use our electric buses, which we just got in the last uh, handful of weeks on because our electric buses are not going to be suited for handling every single route that we have. The routes that we're planning on putting in place for August 2022 uh, are going to be useful because we won't have a new transit facility at Bob Blaine's and Crestline yet, but the routes that we're planning on using starting in January 2023 will make absolutely no sense and we'll have to spend a uh, host of money to research a new route plan for that portion of 2023 and uh, that could include redesigning which routes are actually accessible by our electric buses um, it, there's a lot of stuff that will go in if we do have to pause the program reassess what are the costs of uh, using electric vice natural gas for hvac and heating of the facility um, and I encourage you to think about that. Thank you very much for your time. Um, I just want to I want to thank you for your your uh, time and your comments because they're really salient. Let's make sure that we call it methane gas. It's not natural gas. We don't need to do greenwashing for the companies. That's what we're fighting against. I'd like to make this is Nancy Mumas, uh, SAB board. Um, I'd like to make a motion to. Um, uh, approve the memo with the changes that have been discussed. Uh, well, do we want to have any more board or public comment after Mike's comments? Does anybody have anything they want to say? Yeah, this is Ben Sykes, that board member. I, I know we're on the clock, Nancy. I, I mean, Mike, I guess I would just question is, you know, given all these elements that were adopted, all these programs that were adopted, why are we dealing with this now in the first place at all? Like, what? Why wasn't this developed as a electric system? What? Why? Why are we worried about delays now on, in 2022 because it was designed as a natural gas system rather than being designed originally as electric? Truth be told, we didn't uh, discuss uh, whether it was natural gas or an electric facility during PTAC meetings. Our primary focus was on uh, whether it's able to meet the routing needs that we have, whether it's able to meet the uh, programming needs that the public transit department needs in terms of office space, in terms of uh, bus bays, in terms of providing riders the services that they needed. It, it never came up in our meetings that I'm aware of. Okay. And I can try to provide some context if that's helpful. Um, so we, you know, working through the design, I think our designers, you know, we're doing a whole lot of things, try to be sustainable with this project, including the reuse of a existing building, um, which is quite a big deal without all the demo uh, work for for that and then establishing a new building. Um, I think in March, when uh, and I think that's one thing I wanted to mention, uh, March 22nd was actually the date of that um, city commission meeting. Um, I need to change that too. So, uh, you know, that, that was the time where we were, we were kind of at that point of, you know, we can um, design for either one of these. There's not a, um, you know, policy in place for new facilities yet. 
citywide. So that was the discussion with the commission. It was, you know, us trying to be um, thoughtful about stuff that didn't yet have firm policy guidance and, and bring that discussion to them. So some of the, the discussion is, you know, there's, um, there are some unknowns and there are some lengthy studies that would be needed to, to clarify those unknowns. I think there's um, um, confidence that it will be a higher upfront capital cost um, for the equipment that exists today. Um, belief that that equipment's going to be a lot different and better in a handful of years than it is today, electric equipment, um, and us looking towards um, you know operational annual costs, you know differences between electric and natural gas. So, you know. Everything is a balance. This this project's grown in, in budget. Um, you know, these are public transit dollars we're using, not not general fund dollars. So, you know, every dollar I use on this is a dollar that's not used on a match for a future electric bus, a bus stop improvement, um, you know, an hour of bus service for people. So um, you know, certainly from our staff perspective and the consultant perspective, we're trying to do, you know, what what we can from a sustainability perspective and, and think we're doing a lot. Um uh, and in this case, we're, we're seeking, you know, some guidance on what we knew was going to be um, added cost. Um, at this point, is is challenging. You know, the, the studies requested are will take quite a bit of time. So, at at this point, you know, since that guidance didn't get to us in March, but would now potentially come to us in um, you know July, we're, we're looking at several months delay um, to to go back and do the the requested studies um, before you know. It, essentially pause the project. Um, so I would just encourage, you know, you know, one of the things I think about from just a transit operations perspective is, um, you know, every every month we, we delay on this, there's folks who've been waiting for a transit facility for a decade. Um, so all of that, you know, being committed to sustainability as well, we still are, are in a position where we, we have to try to balance what we do um, and just wanted to provide some of that context. So um, Adam and Mike, I, I really do appreciate your help. I don't envy your jobs at all. That's like really tricky at any time, but especially now. Um, can I ask when you guys sit down to do this planning, do you use the five steps for sustainability as a rubric, like the city council said that they would when they passed it unanimously? You know how they first, it was called the Lawrence Green New Deal and then they changed it to five steps of sustainability. Do you use that when you sit down and start planning this out? Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager. Um, you know, our, our, our process um, included sustainability direction from back in April of 2021 is when we were having our um, public engagement and talking through sustainability and, and things like that. A lot of that guidance has come um, through the consultant who's who's familiar with sustainability principles and and uh, construction practices, um, I can't speak that we we went through um, what you, what you're referencing. I'd, I'd have to look back and and see what those um, those steps compared to what we did were. Mike, did you guys use the five steps for sustainability as part of your planning? Um, I'm not sure what plan you're referring to in terms of like planning agendas or uh, it was a discussion agreed. about this facility. It's we our focus is definitely not on sustainability. It's we uh, prioritize sustainability 
in our efforts. And I mean, that's why I made a humongous push for us to try and get electric buses and why I'm so thrilled that we're getting them. But it's not the guidepost because it can't be the single guidepost for a transit system. Transit, the focuses for us on transit are, are we getting people where they need to go? Are we uh, getting them where they need to go in an affordable manner at the appropriate times with appropriate service levels? So um, the principles that you're talking about, no, we do not necessarily consider them in our agendas. Uh, okay, that's interesting information. Um, I'll just remind everybody to use the scientifically correct term. It's methane gas. It's not natural gas. Natural gas is a PR term. Can we please use scientifically appropriate terms? Kay, do you have a comment? The only thing I wanted to add, Kay Johnson's Sustainability Advisory Board, is those five principles were passed five to zero by the commissioners on February 2021. So that should already be included in every program. I did want to acknowledge Steve has had his hand up for a while. Who's had their hand up? Steve Kramer. Oh, Stephen, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Steve Kramer, SMB member. Uh, I would just like to uh, reiterate, uh, we're a sustainability advisory board. We're not a policy-making committee. Uh, the, the detail that's listed in this uh, recommendation going into the city commission, I believe, gives a very strong presentation of our viewpoint as a sustainability advisory board. It's not up to us to consider um, the electric buses, the transit, the schedules, the building budgets, and all that. We are supposed to advise on sustainability matters. I believe this letter comprehensively uh, gets our viewpoints across. It makes some very strong suggestions. It will be up to the city commission to ignore or to accept it. Uh, that's not for us to do. We are sustainability. So I hear all everybody's arguments. I've heard that we're in the 11th hour. That's good uh, to know. That's not our problem. Our problem is to advise on sustainability issues. So I would like to move on into a vote on this and send it to the city commission as being representative of our board's opinion. Uh, thanks for your comments, Stephen. I would like to remind everybody that none of this is optional. We're in a climate catastrophe. We have to bring our carbon footprint down to zero. We have to have net zero sources for everything. I know it's a pain in the butt, um, but this is not something we get to choose. None of this is sustainable if we do not uh, keep that reality in mind. Um, can I ask, is there any more of the board that has any comments? No, Are there, is there any member of the public who would like to comment? You have Michael Allman who's been raising his hand. Michael, would you like to comment right now? Yes, thank you, and I'll try to be quick. Um, in in all respect of Adam and Mike Wysokowski, who, you know, I know both of those gentlemen, and they do their job very well. I I honestly don't think the delay issue is relevant here. The city has been studying a location for a transit hub since at least 2014. They've done due diligence in many, many areas, including listening to neighborhoods, uh, the neighborhoods at 21st and Iowa, the neighborhoods at 9th and Iowa, any number of different questions 
uh, how it's going to work with KU. They've done the city's done due diligence um, by determining what the best routes were and the best location that's centralized. Uh, all of this has delayed the project, and all of it's been doing due diligence. It's it's valid work. That's not to say that the question of sustainability and not using methane when the city has said they will not use methane, we have to do that due diligence. That's what this is about. The fact that the Public Transit Advisory Board didn't talk about sustainability issues and, and uh, protocols, that's perfectly fine. But the point is, who is gonna talk about that? This board right here. And yet it was not considered what this board has as the interest um, that the city of commission has has signed on to do. So it's the 11th hour, as Stephen said, that's not the issue of this board. Delay is really not relevant because there's any number of things that have delayed it. So thank you. Thanks, Michael. Are there any other public comments? No, I don't see anyone else. I move to adopt this um, draft as the opinion to put forward to the City Commission by the Sustainability Advisory Board. Yes, I'm SAB. Um, I second this motion. All right, should we take a vote then? Sorry, sorry, Maddie Bell, uh, SAB. I just want to clarify with the additions to the draft that we discussed. Yeah, okay. Cool, thanks. All right, let's take a vote. Ben? Yes. Stephen? Yes. Maddie? Yes. Nancy? Yes. Kay? Yes. So is, is Deb on? I don't see her square anywhere. Deb, are you there? Is she there? I see somebody joined on the phone, but I'm not sure who that is. It's just a phone number. Do we need to wait for her to connect this through? This is Deb, yeah. All right, thanks, Deb. All right, the motion is passed, Kay. Nancy, why don't you move on to the plastic bag? Thank you, Sarah. So um, the second item of tonight uh, agenda is to discuss the proposal for single-use plastic bags. The subcommittee met last week, and the compromise that came out of that discussion was a proposal in which we ban single-use plastic bags, but not single-use paper bags, that we make sure we include a public education piece to the ordinance so that the public is aware of the harms of single-use plastics. Um, and we also um, include a delay period of one year from the passing of the ordinance uh, for this education piece to go out before we actually ban the single-use plastic bags. Um, we also discussed an enforcement piece and proposed several things with respect to noncompliance uh, about how citizens can report noncompliance and that there would be fi uh, fines 
um, if there was non-compliance. And there's a separate um, uh, document that describes some possible um, enforcement pieces there. So I'd like to open it up for discussion at this part. I would like to go first. I really am not happy about the compliance thing. We don't want residents like snitching on each other. People are already completely divided and really mentally unwell. I don't think we should have anything that opens up even the smallest gap for fascist or antisocial behavior. So if we could get rid of that, I would be okay with everything else. Maddie Bell, SAB. Um, I am okay with that because it feels very, sim I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems very similar to, for example, um, lawns when someone's lawn is above the height of city ordinance acceptable heights your neighbors can call on you which is like it you know certainly sucks but like it's not your neighbor who gets to determine if if that's correct or not it's someone from the city who's determining if it's correct um though i know kira you have had issues with people reporting your 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 yard um but my my other thing is about the the fee amounts and i was just wondering there is a habit um among corporations to take the hit of a fee cost and then continue the behavior and i know that we have a wide range of business levels in Lawrence from corporations to small independently owned businesses. And I was wondering if the um, if we were anticipating the corporations not changing their behavior and just taking the fee or if there's like precedent from other cities where this is um, where a ban or fee has been implemented where there uh, the corporation goes along with the behavior. Yeah, Nancy. So in this draft ordinance, we just have a ban and no fee. So that wouldn't be an yeah. issue, Maddie. Sorry, I was talking about the um, the violation penalties. Oh, okay. My bad. I should have said that instead of fee. This is Ben Sykes, SAD board member. So Maddie, I guess to the second point that you're making, so the first point I agree with, I think this would be covered by ordinance uh, officers, which I think is some of the same people we were talking to about the weed ordinances and things like that. There's a whole group, right? Uh, to the second point, so what you're saying is that larger companies could basically ignore this because they don't care because $500 is not a disincentive enough for them to switch their entire system or something like that, whereas smaller companies might be affected more by um, the same things. Yeah. I feel like the, I mean, I am not an economist or like a money person in general. Um, so this is very much lay person idea, but like, I feel like these amounts are fine for like a small business, right? And because it's not like, oh, once you get to the 500 penalty, that's it. Like they can keep being um, applied, I guess. But even if it's like $500 applied every week, a comp like a, a mega corporation could probably swallow that cost and still continue the behavior. So I, I guess it was more of a question of, is there a precedent from like uh, Target, for example, in other cities where plastic bag bans have been put in place, does Target like 
go along with it or or are they like no we're just going to keep doing what we've been doing we're going to keep plastic bags and we'll just pay the fees um okay and nancy i'm letting you run this section if you guys can call on people oh okay sorry steve you had your hand up i just wanted to, to do a quick rundown on the changes so we have changed approach and we're going after single-use plastic bags in this case. So we, in the earlier ordinance draft, it was single-use bags, which included plastic and paper. So in this case, you're just single-use plastic bags one year, and then a ban at one year, no more plastic bags, correct? Uh, I, I can't hear you. Sorry, that's correct. So the, the ban would go in after one year. During that first year, there would be an education period for the public, and that would only ban plastic bags, the single-use plastic bags. Paper bags would still be allowable. The, the only uh, caveat I would throw out there, I, I, by the way, went through exactly that scenario in Seattle, and the public reaction was, okay, sounds fine. Uh, it, it went flawlessly. It went beautifully. Uh, there wasn't any issues. It will be a cost increase upon the businesses for the paper bags because my guess is we will shift to single-use paper bags in a great many occurrences. So I strongly applaud the education piece because I think that is incredibly uh, important if this is going to work. But basically, Seattle just shifted from single-use plastic to single-use paper, um, which is still, to my mind, uh, a better alternative what we're doing today. Nancy, you're still muted. Okay. Um, I really like this uh, version of the the ordinance, Nancy, and the only suggestion that I have regarding uh, compliance issues and who would do that I or, or how it would be enforced, if it would be enforced, I think should be left up to the city um, because the city has a framework where they know what works and, you know, and maybe they decide to see the first year or two if there's enforcement necessary. You know, I, I really feel like that perhaps the enforcement piece should just be uh, left open for the the city management to make that suggestion once the ordinance gets to the commissioners. Okay, that's the way the current draft is. It just says right. by the city. So right, yeah. And so I agree with that. The way you wrote the ordinance. Okay. Nancy, one other quick point from Steve Kramer, SAB. Um, we did have comments from one of the grocery stores that some of their produce bags do have handles. So I don't know if the intention is to have to require them to change to no handle produce bags, but I believe it was uh, checkers. They said their produce bags had handles. But I think that but that it's going to be thinner than the four mil. The produce bags, uh, according to your ordinance, produce bags are, are okay. Yes, but produce bags are fine C, as long as they. Yeah, under section C, they it says without handles. We might want to strike that little part. Okay, we can strike that. 
This is Ben Sykes, sub board member. Could you just, uh, I know that we're pressed for time, but just explain that carve out for produce bags. I'm sure you guys had extensive discussion about that. So I just like to hear like the elevator speech of that carve out, if you don't mind. I can imagine that being used in a lot of situations at, at farmers markets and other things. Everything's everything's a produce, produce bag or something like that. So the idea was that the produce bag would still be allowable. It's the pack, it's the bags that allow you to take your all of your items to your car, not just the, the bags that allow you to take items from the location in the store to the checkout, if that makes sense. Maddie Bell, SAB board member. Um, I guess this is kind of a follow-up to Ben's question, but uh, was there a reason to exclude those bags since, I mean, they are still plastic and single use? I mean, they're the ones, I mean, I go to checkers, they're very flimsy, like they break after one use and they're even so flimsy that like I hesitate to use them on dog walks because like I don't trust them. Second, I don't use them on dog walks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna two votes against produce bags on dog walks. So, do we want to consider not having a, a carve out for produce bags? Uh, Maddie Bell said, board member. I, I mean, I was just, I was wondering if you had like a specific reason why they were exempt. Steve Kramer, SAB. I think there are some people in some cases where. They won't, do not want cross-contamination among produce and vegetables. So sometimes I think there may be a reason for that. Uh, however, uh, case in point, before plastic bags, produce sections had paper bags. They get wet. They fall apart. But they worked for decades. People take cloth bags in and put produce in. Reusable cloth bags are pretty commonly used. Can you say that again, Nancy? So reusable cloth bags are commonly used for produce as well, for those people who are sustainably minded. So that's another um, thing that you could do is bring in your own reusable produce bags. Now, Steve Kramer, I said, uh, for the cross-contamination, uh, let's look apart from produce and look at seafood market. Seafood market uses plastic bags to contain wet um, clams, crab legs, things that are potentially considered dangerous when they're wet. Same thing goes for chicken. Uh, you've got raw chicken, contamination possibilities. I think in those cases, the plastic bags do serve a purpose for safety and health, and uh, we may need to still consider having them in place. I don't know the wording that would be correct, because I would also agree with Ben the farmer's market, everything sold as produce, therefore it's not a shopping bag, it's a wrapper. Uh, Maddie Bell, SAB board member, um, two things. One, I, I, would, I would be into uh, taking out the produce bag exemption, except in the case of like meat and seafood. Um, and I don't remember if there was another item that Steve mentioned. Uh, about that. Um, and then regarding the farmer's market, at least in my experience, a lot of the bags at the farmer's market are actually quite sturdy. Um, they're not like the produce bags you get at uh, uh, the grocery store. So I was wondering, I mean, do we have any information on like what the thickness of those bags 
would be if it hits that four mil uh, mark or not. Maddie, I can give you a little idea of that. Uh, you're looking at 0.4 to 0.2 mil thickness with some of these small bags, half mil thick on some of them. A four mil thick bag, if you opened it up, you could stand it on its end and it would remain upright. It's a heavy plastic. Think, think more like tarp than um, plastic bag. Okay, cool. Thanks. So, so yeah, Maddie Bell, SAV board member. Uh, yeah, the bags at the farmer's market probably would still fall under um, single-use disposable produce. So I, I rewrote the, uh, the product bag piece. Instead of saying produce bag, it said product bag shall mean any disposable plastic or paper bag. I'm sorry, plastic bag. I'll get rid of the or paper. Used exclusively to carry meats, fish, seafood, frozen foods, prepared foods, or bulk items. And then otherwise the same. Is that acceptable? Maddie Bell said, board member, that sounds good to me. Any other comments? Board members, okay. So does that mean, because sometimes I get wet um, produce and that's the reason I usually use a, a produce type bag is because they're wet. They've just sprayed the lettuce or whatever. That's so exactly what you're going to hear from the grocery store. You're right. So you'd use cloth bag. But I don't, I prefer to use this little produce things, that little thin things that I don't use for my dogs either. So. Maddie Bell, sad board member. Um, I mean, it is not the point of the ordinance to reduce the number of plastic bags we're using and to like to to create that habit of reusable bags like a cloth bag for um you know the wet lettuce this is kate johnson sustainability advisory board member i do believe that the overall ordinance does that i don't think it's going to matter that much with a produce bag that's my personal personal preference Steve Kramer, SAB. Um, my, my personal feeling on this one, I feel like single-use plastic bags is an extreme case of litter, um, environmental damage, uh, lots of hazards, as well as landfill. Um, I'm much more in favor of paper, even though it could be a disposable single-use, it also will degrade uh, fairly quickly. Uh, the biggest thing I see about this one is that eliminating use of the out of point purchase plastic bag is an educational piece. It's a step. It's a major step. It removes a lot of bags uh, from our personal lives and replaces them with a thought that I need to carry a reusable bag or at least use a paper bag and a reusable bag is a lot easier to use. We're in this to educate people and get people on a journey uh, a little bit more of an adventure about sustainability materials. Going after the produce bags, the seafood bags, and everything else, I think may put more as a burden on people than they're ready to take right now. And I would love to see us take a good, solid first step. So from that viewpoint, I think I'm almost in favor of leaving C as it is, except remove the clause about without handles. 
just to keep people on a positive note and keep get build some momentum. Just tackle one piece at a time and then start building up the momentum as people accept that and start to understand. That's how I would like to see it go. And this is Deb Ford. Apologies for not raising my hand, but I agree with Steve. Nancy, uh, we can't hear you. You're muted. Board members, thank you, Ben. Uh, this is Ben Sykes, that board member. I appreciate all that discussion of that. One, the only other question I had was about required signage. And it struck me that the uh, you are encouraged to gradually find alternatives to single-use plastic bags was kind of different from the others. Like one of these things is not like the others. Like the others are more about like how, like the impact, it's an educational tool about the impact of plastic bags. That one is more like, hey, they're going away stockpile them or I, I guess it didn't say stockpile them uh, find alternatives or or something like that so um yeah I mean I guess establishments can choose whichever ones they want that one just struck me as like something that we definitely want them to get across is like hey these are going away you need to find alternatives now or stockpile them or whatever you need to do that was the only other thought I had I thought this was really well written by the way Manny Bell, SAD board member. Um, yeah, I want to say thank you for all y'all's hard work, um, both with the memo and with this. Um, uh, I'm okay. Like, I, you know, Steve makes a good point about the education aspect. Um, and since it will be a year of education and trying to like instill this habit in preparation for the bags being gone, I am fine with keeping that um, section C as it is removing the or paper bag part and the handles. Um, uh, regarding the signage, I yeah, I think it would be good to include have like a at least a required statement about like, hey, the bags are going on this date. Um, uh, because otherwise it's just kind of like, okay, so I'm being educated about how plastic bags are bad, but to, to what end? Um, so I think it having some really clear signage about like, they, I mean, and sorry if this, it already says this and I just am forgetting or missed it. Um, and maybe something about like asking or maybe requiring stores to include information about how you can acquire a reusable bag from them or maybe listing like you can use like uh, we had a public comment prior regarding the just food stuff and there was also a written comment about the kinds of um, containers or vessels that people brought with them and saying like you know, some imagery of like, here are alternatives that you could bring with you. Like, it doesn't have to be a purchase. You can use what you already have at home from like a shoebox or, you know, that's the only one I can remember right now. But like, there are, there are alternatives that don't require like a buy-in. Thank you, Maddie. Any comments from the public? Okay, sorry, go ahead. I just have one. If you do um, put a statement about um, when the ordinance would go into effect, at least it should have an, you know, a, an end date so that if you're requiring somebody to show that, that once the ordinance is in effect, I mean, I'm not sure that it's beneficial after that point. I was thinking it should be there all the time because it's, it tells people why we're, do, we're banning it. That, that's fine. <laughs> that makes sense to me too. <laughs> 
Maddie Bell, as a BVOR member, um, I think it's also useful for like if we have folks visiting or who have moved to Lawrence to have to keep the signs up just, you know, because then you like know what's up. Um, the example for uh, the reporting that was given from Washington State was like, hey, this thing will go into effect October 1st, 2021. And I was like, we've definitely passed that, but I know when it went into effect. <laughs> Okay, let's open up to the public. I see Tad and Margaret Kramar. Okay, can you hear me? Um, I support the plastic bag ordinance. I think that it does not need to be one year. I think that the only necessary warning would be like in the line of three months, because this is something we live with all the time. You know, as of this date, this office will close. As of this date, we will relocate. As of this date, we're going to, you know, something's going to change. And so this is something that we're hit with all the time. I agree that the education component is necessary and is very useful. But then you can argue the other side of it and say, if you've been living on this earth for longer than two weeks, you realize why plastic bags are a bad thing. I mean, you can see them littering the highway and littering streams and littering everything else. So yes, go ahead and educate people, definitely. You know, they, they might learn more than they did before, but I certainly do not think that it takes one year. I would say three months post, you know, as of three months from now, we will no longer be issuing plastic bags. And had a discussion with Kira, and agree with her that once we move on this and plastic bags are banned, we can work on something that really work, that really reaches out to people who are disenfranchised and who are struggling and who see eco rules as holier than thou. So compromise, I think that people would not read. And, and I question whether people would even react, react that badly to the idea of, of not bringing plastic bags. I mean, give them a warning time, give them time to build up a stash, and they should be fine. I mean, they. I think that people, we're not giving people enough credit. I think that people want to do the right things. And as, as far as a year, I mean, I, I am sick and tired of doing something for this planet always being put on delay. You know, I, I agree that the time is now and we need to act now and we shouldn't find more excuses for not acting now. I mean, no, not tomorrow. You don't tell them tomorrow it's gonna to be different, but like a three month window of warning people, posting signs, as of this date, the plastic bags will be no more. Thank you. Michael Allman. Hi again, Michael Allman, the Sustainability Action Network. Um, one of the first things mentioned in the discussion was the enforcement part about citizens reporting noncompliance. I, I think that is an issue and I'm, I'm concerned about that. And I would just suggest striking B. Citizens who are concerned and aware, they know what to do. They don't have to be told in the ordinance that they can call the city hall. Citizens call the city hall all the time. Uh, we know that with the weed ordinance, um, the city has an app, 
available to anybody who wants to use it. It's called See, Click, Fix. You can take a photo of anything in the city you want and email it with a simple click. I mean, if the whole system is set up for enforcement by um, on demand, that the city doesn't go out to enforce things, but if they get a request, then they do. It's the whole system is predicated on that. So you don't have to write it into the ordinance. Um, I agree with the uh, not having the the without handles question. And I kind of like what Margaret Kramar is saying that how long do we want to drag this education out? I mean, it's not going to take people too long to realize what this is about when they, they get the article in the journal world and the Lawrence Times and the city sends out something in their water bill notice. You might consider shortening that from a year. So thank you. Thank you, uh, Michael. Uh, Kathleen Harden. Um, I agree with shortening the education span. Uh, I think one year means that you lose momentum. Uh, you know, three months may be too short, six months or the beginning of the year, January 1st, uh, is a typical time to start things anew. I do think that the education piece needs to be strong, and I hope they won't do that in a, a weak way. It needs to be robust. Um, you know, I am still not really clear as to whether this pertains to food establishments or just to grocery stores. Can someone answer that? It's all establishments. So if it's for uh, restaurants also, I suggest that the city figure out a way to incentivize uh, with a certification program, rewarding companies, businesses, restaurants for doing a certain number of sustainability activities that gives them a one star, two star, whatever, or make it as simple as you wish to recognize that that establishment is making an effort towards sustainability. Um, and that's that's my comment. Stephen? Yeah, I'd just like to put in about the, uh, the term that we put in before the ban goes into effect. Uh, I think there's a consideration from the aspect of the business owner being a small business owner myself, I would normally would stock bags about three months worth. Uh, Dillon's, uh, Commerce, uh, uh, Checkers, the Canadian Mercantile, they may actually have a bigger stock than that. They also have to change their fixtures. If you think about the self-check lines, you've got the little metal stands with all the plastic bags on it. They're going to have to put in racks for the paper bags. They'll have to procure those. They'll have to get the paper bags, make sure they have enough. There actually has been two paper shortages so far in the last year alone. So I think there are some other considerations from the business standpoint. Three months, I can tell you, is too short for a business transition. Six months is a bare minimum. Uh, looking at this right now, uh, January 1st is potentially feasible to start 2023 with this ban. Uh, might be interesting to go back and talk to some of the larger grocery stores but also a few more of the retail places to see what it takes for them to be ready for the compliance. 
because especially to get started, they will need a stockpile of flat or paper stacks. And I also would love to see uh, a strong initiative community-wide for sponsors to give out free reusable bags. And that will take a little bit of time, too. Um, if we get a whole city graphic about, you know, the use of reusable bags and saving the environment, do some, some clever icons and some work, uh, we might be able to get a whole lot of businesses to start stocking up some fairly cheap reusable bags, especially when we buy them in bulk as a city, distributing them out. Um, Again, give a little bit of time to build that up may be a very useful thing to get this thing started with a very, very positive momentum rather than an in-your-face type thing. Stephen, any other comments? Um, Maddie Bell, SAB board member. Uh, I I think I'm also in favor of a, It maybe it's not a whole year, but like a, more, a longer than three months um, transition period for some of the points Steve made. And also just because um, I think it can be difficult to get educational stuff like up and running and making sure that like we're reaching enough people. Um, I actually don't know who would be leading the education effort, but if it's if it's this board, like we only meet once a month. Um, and I know there are subcommittees that could meet more frequently, but just thinking about like, a year can go by really quickly uh, in terms of planning stuff if you're only meeting once a month or um, even twice a month uh, to like get stuff done. So uh, I'm I'm okay with a year if we want to shorten it to like ten or eight months. That um, would also be okay. Steve Kramer, SAB, um, you got to keep in mind too that clock doesn't start running until city commission votes to adopt it. Um, I'm guessing we're at least three months from being even on the agenda. That's my guess from past experience. So, again, from the business standpoint, I think a solid eight to nine months is a good thing. One year, maybe too arbitrary. This is Kate Johnson, Sustainability Advisory Board member. If you recall, and not everyone was on that um, subcommittee meeting, but several of us said that we would support a year. And, and that was because we made concessions with other things. So um, I'm still in favor of a year. And that really will give businesses, hey, you need to get this done. Then there won't be any excuses about contracts or, uh, or there shouldn't be anyway. Good point. Um, Maddie Bell, oh, sorry, uh, Maddie Bell, SAB board member. I was wondering if there was anything that we needed to include in this or how this is carried out with um, stores or sorry, with establishments um, having like an excess of bags after the point of the ban, like is the idea that they transition their materials um, so that they have have distributed all of their plastic bags before the ban takes effect or are they just expected to like throw them away or what's is there any planning for that that we can do or should do Steve Kramer SAB I can guarantee you that all businesses have given a year and transition to paper bags and reusable bags uh, without having any residual stock left if they have a year 
So I'd like to suggest we do some kind of compromise. We, we, we go from three months to a year, about nine months. That, that will probably give people plenty of time to use the rest of their plastic bags. It'll give us time to do the education piece um, and get the word out, get lots of information out, get, get um, reusable bags um, out to the public for those who need it. Um, and then also to include the, the change back to the, to the produce as we had before, just taking out the handles um, and the paper bag piece. And then uh, based on Michael Allman's suggestion, get rid of B under the enforcement piece. So I'd like to make a motion for that. And then if there's any other discussion of that, we can go forward with additional discussion. I think you just made a motion. Right, I made the motion. Second. Maybe too. <laughs> okay. All in favor? I just, sorry, um, Deb unmuted, and I just want to make sure that she didn't, wasn't missing the chance to say something. Um, I'd be supportive of what Kathy just said. Um, I'm still unclear on the education piece because it's not up for the fab board committee to do education and the vehicle would be and i do think there's going to be a time frame for getting that set up so there's a pretty huge ask for of someone that i'm not sure it's funded for so that would be another reason for arguing a year but if we take it to the the commission and they extend that time they can certainly do that okay so we're going to be a, a vote now so deb what's your vote uh yes Maddie? I, um it seems like kay had a response to deb and i kind of want to hear that before i vote Oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. Okay. That's okay. I, I was just going to say, I don't think, uh, so the Sustainability Advisory Board uh, members uh, would not be the ones that would do the education. It would, of course, come to go to city staff. We're, we're a policy recommendation board. Uh, we don't do the work part. And so, um, you know, we can make suggestions, um, but I, I would like to point out that right now, um, and this can be another discussion for another time, um, Kathy is the interim um, director and she does not have staff. Okay. Okay, Maddie? Uh, yes. Kira? Uh, I vote yes. I really want us to remember that the outreach and education is going to be the pivotal part because the minute we get this passed and the minute we bring it in front of city council or in front of the city commission, uh, people in Topeka are going to start working on anti-ban bans, which is what they always do with us. Yeah. So the education seems like it's an afterthought. I, it needs to be like the main movement building planting a seed so that people then are talking about this with uh, good and adequate information once that inevitable pushback happens. But uh, I vote yes. 
Thank you, Kara. Uh, Stephen? Yeah. Ben? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm yes. So we passed unanimously. This is Kathy Richardson, Interim Sustainability Director, and I just wanted to clarify and make sure um, on this vote. So there were two documents that were attached to the agenda. One is that single-use um, bag ordinance, and then there was a, a another document for the information on enforcement and penalties. So it's my understanding that you just voted um, to approve the single-use bag ordinance, but not that second document. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, thank you for the clarification. And this is Deb Ford. It's with the amendments that we had discussed. Exactly. Okay, back to you, Kira. All right, so I think that's all of our business, right? Mm -hmm. We might actually get out of here early for once. I'm over yeah. here. All right. Does somebody want to do a, a motion to end the meeting? Steven. I will move to end the meeting. <laughs> Second. Awesome. Thanks, Maddie. All right. Meeting is adjourned. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Kathy?